So today, this was a, was a good week, and uh, wow, how'd that get there? Oh, well, that's wrong. Oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. I, I don't know how that happened. Sometimes my computer just does those kinds of things. So uh, Mr. Rogers, and again, as we said earlier, Mr. Rogers uh, just, just comes across. He, he just, he's disarming. I watched uh, this week, and I'm not going to show it to you, but I watched him uh, be interviewed by David Letterman back in the day. And David Letterman was, in a sense, trying to make fun of him, but you couldn't really make fun of him because he kept responding so nicely and, and wisely, and, and it just made Dave Letterman look like a jerk, you know? And, uh, you know, there's something good about Mr. Rogers. I mean, I mean listen to this song. It's such a good feeling to know you're alive. It's such a happy feeling you're growing inside. And when you wake up ready to say, I think I'll make a snappy new day. It's good. such a good feeling, a very good feeling. The feeling you know that I'll be back when the day is new. And some of you under 30 are going, who is that guy? That is so old. But just think of the words he's saying. It's such a good feeling to know you're alive. It's such a happy feeling. You're growing inside. And when you wake up ready to say, I think I'll make a snappy new day, it's such a good feeling. It's a very good feeling. Now, I have to be honest with you, I didn't wake up this morning singing that, even with an extra hour of sleep, but uh, those sentiments, wow, that's great. And for those of us who want to spiritualize it a little bit and know that Fred Rogers was uh, training to be a pastor and, and used his, uh, his abilities in, in child uh, education, child uh, television, but uh, you can almost read in between there uh, the fact that when you and I have a relationship with God, and I, I know not everyone has said yes to Christ in a room like this, but, but when you and I have a relationship with God through Christ, our wake-up time can be more like that than less. It absolutely can. That's one of the reasons those of us who call ourselves Christ followers gather. That's why we sang, he's our cornerstone. Because that really can change everything. And it changes on the inside. It grows on the inside. And as we embrace this walk, this life with God through Christ... It has ripple effects into our lives. That doesn't mean life is easy. It doesn't mean uh, life is not hard. It doesn't mean life doesn't have its crises. But it does mean that we can face them just a little differently, or actually a lot differently, because he's a part of our lives. Well, last week we started our four-point ser four series, Won't You Be My Neighbor? Uh, last week we looked at the idea of who is my neighbor. Uh, you can go online and find that. Uh, and we talked about what does it mean to love our neighbor. And again, all this is online. You can, you can look at that and figure that out on your own. But, but when we started last week's message and Jesus introduced us to who we call the Good Samaritan, it, it started out like this in Luke chapter 10. It started off with the word, but. There were a couple individuals that had not been good neighbors, but a Samaritan, and we talked about who a Samaritan was. But as a Samaritan, as he traveled came where the man who had been beaten up and was on the side of the road was, first of all, he saw him and he took pity on him. 
Those three words, but a Samaritan. Samaritan's coming into a situation, and he's going to leverage this moment. He's available. And the other two who were supposed to be available are supposed to be kind to people, loving a pastor we joked about, uh, you know, a priest and a Levite, a deacon. Uh, they, they just kind of moved along. But the Samaritan, the Samaritan who surprised everybody, responds. And he sees. And he has pity on them. And we talked about how the fact we have to ask ourselves, do we see those in need around us? Do we see those who need some good neighboring in their lives? And does our part go out to them or not? And if we're going to reflect the love of Christ, this has to be a, a part of our, our, uh, just our rhythm of life. Yet often we don't see, and sometimes I wish I had glasses like this guy. That kid, every time I'm pulling out, he's right there. Man, someone needs to talk to his parents, if they're ever at home. Oh, there's... (laughs) Okay, so I'm not even here. Right. Great lady. The princess of parking. Oh, sure. Take the spot. Way to be considerate. Oh, are you kidding me? Unbelievable. Oh. Thank you, ma'am. Oh, it's about time. Let's see, what do I want? Uh, yeah, could I add a cookie to that order? Yeah, no problem. Yeah, uh, no problem, only guy in the world. I'm sure you need your cookie. The world? Your oyster, and he's serving your cookies. Thanks, Thank you so much. Uh-huh. What can I get for you? Uh, yeah, I'll call Decaf Macchiato. Yeah, sure, no problem. Three eighty-five. And uh, it might take a few minutes here. We've got quite a line, obviously. And thanks for your patience. Great. Yeah, <laughs> great. Great for me. Waiting again. Unbelievable. What? What am I supposed to do? How can I how can I do anything about that? Can I even help with that? I don't your copy, sir. Oh. I, I can't I can't take this anymore. I gotta get out of here. Hey, what?
Hey, buddy, come here. Yes and no. I don't know if I want those glasses. Do you want those glasses? Really? I don't know if I want those glasses. Why don't I want those glasses? Or maybe why not? Because honestly, if we're genuine, all of us have those labels. If I had those glasses on right now, I would look over here and I would see all kinds of opportunities to be a good neighbor. And I don't know if I could handle those glasses because I would have to respond to one way. I would have to just be out there with all these needs or I would have to do something in my heart so when I saw those labels, I closed my heart off to it. It would be, it would be, too, it would be too hard. It'd be too hard, because I go from one extreme to the others, where I want to not acknowledge a need, or I'm trying to take care of too many needs, and there's a tension for that. But fortunately, Paul, when he talks about opportunities, and we're going to look at those needs as opportunities, Paul gives us some guidelines of how to navigate that. So if we did have those glasses, or maybe we don't need those glasses because we kind of know anyway, but how do, how do we balance that? How do we, how do we navigate that? Uh, we, we know who we're supposed to be a good neighbor to. We know how to be a good neighbor, but there are so many neighbors. There are so many needs. So I'd like you to turn over to Ephesians 5, 15. That's page 816 in that Bible. You'll find around you if you want to follow along that way. And if you don't have a paper copy of the Bible, you're free to take that Bible as a gift. Also, the verses, most of them will be up on the screen. And uh, as we say often, if you have a smart device, please uh, download the free app, uh, Uversion. And then you can have your Bible wherever your phone is, wherever your tablet is. It goes right along with you. Ephesians 5.15, and we see how Paul gives guidelines of how to look at all these opportunities to practice good neighboring. And he's going to tell us, first of all, to make the most of every opportunity. And then again, there's this check in my heart. There are too many opportunities. How can I make the most of every opportunity. How do, I, how do I deal with that? How do I say yes or no? How, how, how do I do that? I don't want those glasses on all the time. But Paul says, make the most of every opportunity. Looking at verse 15, we read, be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise. Be very careful. And when I, when I say be very careful, the emphasis, the strength of that phrase, I think, is lost on most of us. How many times does somebody say, be very careful? Remember my father having me help him move furniture, and I may have shared this with you before, when we're moving a table, he'd always say, be very careful. And then what he would say is, put your hands on the edges. All of a sudden, now I'm very careful, because if I hit the edge in the wall, I'm hitting my hand. And the times that would happen, what would my dad say? Don't worry about it. Your hand will heal. The furniture won't. 
so sympathetic, but, <laughs> but that caused me to be very careful. It caused me to be very careful. You, you know, when um, you start having kids and they start getting all kinds of little toys, uh, they had lo- Legos or whatever. Our girls had, had Barbies and Barbie shoes. And uh, when you're walking across their room in the dark, and the first time it happens, and you step on a Barbie shoe, and you're like, what is that? And you lift up your foot, and the Barbie shoe is still in your foot. You all of a sudden have a new appreciation for being careful. Uh, that reminds me of these guys who, who went the other extreme. Instead of being careful, they went into training to, to toughen up so they wouldn't feel any of the problems. <laughs> That guy's a machine. I think he's also the thinnest guy. So there's two extremes. Be careful. Watch your steps or build up tolerance so you don't feel it. And for many of us, those of us who would say we're Christ followers, we've built up a tolerance so we don't feel it, so we don't have to watch out. But that's not what Paul says. That's not what, what Jesus says when he talks about being a good neighbor. We need to watch. We need to leverage the opportunities that come our way. Verse 16, make the most of every opportunity. I hate the word every opportunity because the days are evil. And the idea of the days being evil isn't that just it's terrible times. It's the idea that our days are running out. You and I only have so many days. The clock is ticking, so the days are evil. They remind us we have less days after this day is over. And so Paul says, make use of every opportunity. Be wise. Walk through and navigate the opportunities. Be careful about them. Be careful about them. Paul talks about the same kind of ideas over in Colossians, and this is what he says. He says, live wisely among those who are not believers and make the most of every opportunity. Again, this idea of living wisely, using our opportunities. And this goes without saying it's just not with those who aren't believers, those who aren't people with faith, but take special attention to them because they're watching to how you navigate life. So live wisely. Look at the opportunities. Be careful with the opportunities. Some opportunities don't come around again. Some are gone in a split second. He goes on to say, let your conversation be gracious and attractive so that, though, that you will have the right response for everyone. So as we're navigating our life, as we're making the most of every opportunity, as we're trying to be a good neighbor, we need to make sure that our responses are gracious and attractive. Sometimes I have to ask myself, are my responses for the needs of neighboring gracious 
and attractive. And it's not even just out in the neighborhood. Sometimes it's just in my family. Sometimes the, the girls will call me. They're supposed to be grown up now. You know, they're only 22, but they're supposed to be, and they'll call me, and they have an issue or a concern. And, and, and sometimes I'm happy they called me, and sometimes I'm, I'm busy doing my thing. I've just is my response attractive? And especially when it comes to them, I, I want them to call back again. So I've had to catch myself, okay, don't give them the quickest answer you can so you can move on to what you're doing. Slow down. Slow down and be in their moment. Now, there's sometimes you, you can't do that, but there's a lot more time. So I want my answer to be attractive so they call back again. I want to be gracious. I want the right response. So again, we're back to that same spot we were. We got the glasses, take every opportunity and, and leverage them. But, but there are too many opportunities how do, we, how do we decide? How do we know? Can't there be on those glasses a little, a little like a, a flashing yes, no, let it go? You know, can't there be something like that? Because I, I just don't know. Is this one where I need to jump in or is this one where I don't? Am I enabling somebody? Am I supposed to actually come alongside and in the short term I'm enabling them? Look what Paul says next. Paul is going to say, be led by the Holy Spirit. Be led by the Holy Spirit. And we're going to talk about what that means in a few moments. That sounds a little odd. Sometimes uh, we hear, we've heard it's referred to the Holy Ghost or what is that all about? But be led by the Holy Spirit. So Paul is saying, take every opportunity and match it with this person called the Holy Spirit. And then you'll start to be able to discern when you engage and when it's okay not to. We said last week, Jesus did not take care of every need. He did not take care of every opportunity. He somehow knew, and we can go back to his baptism, when the dove descended on him, it was symbolic of the Holy Spirit being upon him, and now he had guidance from the Holy Spirit. The Spirit led him, and he knew when to interact and when not to interact. We need to be led by the Holy Spirit. Starts off in verse 17, don't be vague, but firmly grasp what you know to be the will of God. And again, we come back, well, how do I do that? How do I not be vague? How do I really engage? There's so many things to know the will of God about. Do I do this? Do I not do this? And then there's all these things where I'm engaging, where I'm helping, where I'm trying to figure out what it means to be a good neighbor where I live, where I work, where I shop, where I play, where I go to church. How, how do I do that? How do I know what the will of God is? And verse 18 is where he mentions the Spirit. He says, don't get your stimulus from wine, but let the Spirit stimulate or fill you, as some other translations say, fill your soul. The idea here is that our, our um, activation, our stimulus, isn't to come from other things. We're not to be controlled by other things. We could put anything in there besides wine. We could say our stuff, our power, our position, our selfishness. Don't be stimulated by all that kind of stuff. 
Think of the things that cause, that control you, that get your attention. Don't be controlled. Don't be stimulated by those things. But instead, let the Spirit stimulate you. Let the Spirit fill your heart, fill your soul. So when you have all these opportunities and you want to leverage them, and you want to live wisely, it comes back to your connection with God through Christ and the Holy Spirit. Now, I have to say, if, if, you still, if you're still wrestling with what it means to follow Christ, to say yes to Christ, we'll talk about that in a few moments, but if you're still wrestling, you come to the being a good neighbor department with a little bit of a disadvantage or a lot of a disadvantage. Because we're going to see in a few moments that unless you've said yes to God in your life, then the Holy Spirit doesn't live with you, doesn't connect with you. So you're, in a sense, operating all on your own. But for those of us who have said yes, we have the Spirit. And we can let the Spirit direct us and lead us. Now, how sensitive we are to the Spirit is, is a little bit up to us. We can go into training and walk over so we don't feel the Spirit working in our lives, so we have calluses on the bottom of our feet or actually on our heart. But if we don't know God through Christ, th th we're, we're flying on our own. If we do know, we have the possibility of following His lead and engaging in good neighbor behavior where he wants us and letting other situations go. And it's not that all of us want to let other situations go. Sometimes I want to be a good neighbor, not because I want to be a good neighbor, because I want to look good. Sometimes I want to be a good neighbor because I'm trying to get my value as a human being by being a good person. No, no, no. If you're a Christ follower, you get your value from being who you are because of Christ. Our identity is in Him. So, so again, it's just not to, get, not to, to, to let these opportunities go by the wayside or, get in too, or sometimes we get involved in too many things. Sometimes we do too much stuff because we're not letting the Holy Spirit lead us and direct us. We're not letting Him stimulate us onto good works to do these things. Also, just a side note, I came across this in my study, and it just, it just, it just resonated with me, uh, just realizing that a person full of the Holy Spirit will never be full of themselves. So as you think about interacting with doing good things and being a good neighbor, again, sometimes we don't have time to be a good neighbor because we're full of ourselves, and sometimes we have to be a good neighbor because we're full of ourselves. Works both ways. And the only... You go back to Jeremiah and look at the heart, but the, the only way you discern this is by letting the Holy Spirit direct us. Now, when we get into this subject about the Holy Spirit, I, I have to be honest with you, when we get into this subject about the Trinity, one God and, and three persons, I get a little confused because there's nothing in my life that's similar to this. It's, it's beyond it's just like the fact that, you know, we'll talk about God being timeless. My life is linear, day after day after day, beginning, perceived end. God's beyond time. He doesn't function by time. I don't get that. I can think I get it, but I really don't get what that real ramification is. So when it comes to the Trinity, 
when it comes to one God, not three gods, one God in perfect unity, three persons, I don't totally get it. I could give you little kinds of illustrations. Some of us have heard the egg. Some of us have heard stereo. All these, all these little things. And, and they start to get there, but they really don't, in a sense, close the deal. I, I, don't, I don't totally get that. In Deuteronomy, we're reminded the secret things belong to the Lord our God, but the things revealed belong to us and to our children forever that we may follow all the words of this law. And the idea is that there are secret things that God hasn't totally unpacked for us, and we got to be okay with that. The things, and I've said this before, Mark Twain says, it's not the Bible verses that I don't get that trouble me the most. It's the Bible verses that I do get trouble me the most. So the revealed things, I need to follow them. The things that aren't clearly put in a good package and wrapped with a nice bow, I need to realize they belong God, and that doesn't mean I check my mind at the, at the, at the door of the church, at the, at, the, at the beginning of reading the scriptures. It just means there are some things that aren't completely revealed to us. This idea, again, of this trinity, um, uh, the, the idea there is one God. Uh, the trinity consists of three persons. The members of the trinity are distinguished one from another in various passages. We're not going to take time to go through all of that. There is a subordination within the Trinity. The Scripture shows that the Holy Spirit is subordinate to the Father and the Son, and the Son is subordinate to the, to the Father. And also we realize that the individual members of the Trinity have different tasks. Uh, one di- um, diagram has it like this. Don't try to reproduce it. If you go to uh, gotquestions.org, you can read all about how the Trinity works to up to a point, and that can help clarify it to a point. But I don't think you're going to totally figure it out. But the fact remains that when it comes to all these opportunities, leveraging the opportunities, being wise with our days, watching where we step, being careful, the Holy Spirit can help us along the way. He's God. He's the provider of spiritual knowledge and strength. Anytime you're reading something in the scriptures, anytime something's resonating with the heart, that is is the Holy Spirit speaking to you if you're a Christ follower. This may sound a little odd to some, but uh, I remember my my aunt talking to me about going to the University of Maryland back in the day. And uh, her roommate was this extremely smart person, and they were taking Bible lit. And they were both taking the same class, and her roommate was just not getting it. And she was 10 times smarter than my aunt, she said. And she said the reason she was getting it and this smart roommate of hers wasn't getting it is she really felt as she was doing the, the Bible class the Bible lit class, that she had a better understanding because she had the Holy Spirit giving her just the ideas on how it all comes together. You see, as a Christ follower, he helps reveal things to you and me. That's why sometimes we talk about the Word of God being living. The Holy Spirit makes it come alive in our lives. 
Jesus spoke about this. He says, if you love me, keep my commandments, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. The Spirit of truth, the Holy Spirit. And it's interesting, this advocate, Jesus, when he talks about going away, when he's, when he's going back to heaven, when he's, when he's resurrected and go, ascending back to heaven, he, he, he says that it's good that he goes because the Spirit can come. He, he infers strongly that it's better for us as we walk the planet that we have the Holy Spirit with us than actually have Jesus right around. That's what he says. So the Spirit gives us spiritual knowledge and strength. Down to verse 17, the second part of that. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. And I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. And we read on. The advocate, the Holy Spirit from the Father, will send in my name. He will teach you all things and remind you of everything I've said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Do not be afraid. The work of the Spirit Not only does he give us peace, not only does he instruct us, but he helps us with clarity when it comes to being a good neighbor. You and I are ill-equipped to be the good neighbor that God wants us to be because we'll either get buried way over our head or we won't do anything if we don't rely on the Spirit to lead us. And it's not just a switch we switch, it's a growth process. Hopefully, hopefully, those of you who have been Christians for 10 years or 20 years or 30 years understand because you've opened your life more up to God. So when it comes to these decisions, you're more responsive because you've grown in that relationship with him. So you have little more know-how on navigating through that. Again, it's not an automatic switch. It's it's a growth process. In Philippians, we read, For God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases Him. And I don't know about you, sometimes it's not the power. Sometimes it's just the desire. I need the desire to do what pleases Him. I've said this way before, I need to want what God wants in my life. It's, sometimes I pray that to him. I say, Lord, I know what you, help me to just want to do what you want me to do or to be who you want me to be because I'm not feeling it. I'm not liking it. I don't want that. So I know the beginning is for me just to want what you want in my life. And the person that does that, of the Trinity, one of the persons of God, the Holy Spirit does that. He helps us. He gives us the desire, the power, the strength, the resolve, the wherewithal to do what pleases him. And again, I have to say this over again because I have to remind myself, even though I get this in my head, I don't always get this in my heart, my relationship with God, your relationship with God, isn't based on me earning it and pleasing him. I want to please him because I love him. 
I don't want to please him so that he'll love me. Because in most of my relationships, maybe my mom and dad, it's what I've done has caused them to, to love me. I mean, look at Cindy. What would cause her to love me? I had to do all these things, wine and dine, or, you know, and romance, or I've got to keep doing this kind of stuff, right? Because I, I want her to love me. I need to please her. But when it comes to God, I'm not earning his love. I absolutely have it. So it's not to please him, to get him, to have him. It's to please him because I love him. So I want that desire. I want that, uh, that change. I've said this already. When we receive this, we receive the spirit when we become a Jesus follower. Passage after passage refers to this idea. When you believed in Christ, he identified you as his own by giving you the Holy Spirit whom he promised long ago. You can look in Old Testament prophecy passages, and the Holy Spirit for everybody is, is promised. With Christ, the Holy Spirit comes. And so if you're a Christ follower, God joins his life to yours through the Holy Spirit. In a sense, as we've talked earlier, he, he moves into our neighborhood. We talk about Jesus moving in the neighborhood. We'll be doing, speaking about that as we get into the Christmas season. But this concept of God being in our neighborhood, a part of our lives, comes through in Leviticus. And I just love the imagery here. I will set up my residence in your neighborhood. I won't avoid or shun you. This is God speaking. I'll stroll through your streets. I'll be your God. You'll be my people. I am God, your personal God, who rescued you. I ripped off the harnesses of slavery so that you can move about freely. God in our neighborhood, God in our life, the Holy Spirit, it is a, I'm saying it's a wonderful gift. It's a, those words just fall so short of what it really is. But even when we have welcomed God into our life, when we've placed our trust and our belief in him, and the Holy Spirit comes into our life, uh, we, we, can, we can build up calluses. There's verses that talk about quenching the Spirit. Uh, don't treat prophecies, and the prophecies here is not like wild stuff. It's basically, don't cheat my word with contempt, but test them all and hold on to what is good. And when you and I don't do that, we quench his Spirit. We build up calluses. So we're, we're reading his word. We're, we're learning about him. We're, we're, we're having our heart tugged on. And all of a sudden, we have this option to take what has been shared with us, which has touched our heart, and, and we either respond to it or we show contempt for it. We ignore it. We blow it off. And when we do that, we quench the spirit. It's like our sensitivity starts to diminish. We can walk on Legos without saying ouch because they, we just don't feel them. And every Christ follower is in danger of quenching the spirit. It can come at any age. It can come at any time. All of a sudden, we start to show a contempt, a carelessness for what he shares to us. And that is a dangerous, dangerous place to be. When it comes to being a good neighbor, it makes being a good neighbor just very difficult. It's, a, it's, it's, just your, it's a guesswork. 
But when it comes to just living our lives, quenching the Spirit, that's so wonderful that we have His leading in our life, and we kind of put it at arm's length from us, put Him. Another passage talks about don't grieve the Spirit. Don't break His heart. Interesting. He loves us, and it grieves Him when we don't respond to Him. It's, it's like when you have been decent to someone, when you love someone, in a sense, they spur, spurn your love. It, it breaks his heart. Moving and breathing in you is the most intimate part of your life, making you fit for him. Don't take such a gift for granted. And, and it's easy to do that, easy to take the Spirit's leading for granted. He, he leads us. We've all been in those services where he lays something on our heart, maybe to do something, maybe just something on our heart, and we have a moment to put it off or, or, to, or to accept it. And then as time goes on, it's that same thing, and, and we just grow cold to that, and we stay in the same place. We stop growing as we ought to be, which then affects how good of a neighbor we're going to be. Also, when it comes to the Spirit, we have to realize that no one has 20-20 vision. We, we don't have it down perfectly. Uh, I get very nervous when someone comes into my office, and consulting me as Pastor Dave, and they, they have this crazy idea or they want to go do something, and they feel, like they, they feel like it's an answer directly from the Holy Spirit, God leading in their life, and, and it's, it's, it's a little crazy. And, and it's, it's just, it's just, it's just, it's got selfishness mixed all in it, but they say, I feel really good, and I feel confirmed, and, and they, they haven't talked to anybody else. You see, all of us don't have perfect vision, 2020 vision when it comes to the spirit in our lives. We, we need other people to help us with that. We need trusted people that can come alongside and say, no, no, I don't think that that doesn't seem right. Doesn't seem right. The spirit in me, that doesn't, you, you, you're, you've corrupted that a little bit. You're, 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 you're doing something there. And, and even just week, I had something, I can't get into all the details, had some, some real crazy di- direction for a person's life. And they actually said, since they made this decision, their worship on Sunday has been sweeter than it has been in 20 years. And I'm like, uh-huh, <laughs> that, that, that doesn't make sense. Uh, even Paul, super Christian Paul, uh, had trouble with this a little bit. Um, you know, there's a situation where he's trying to figure out where to go next. He's trying to be a good neighbor into some new areas. He tries to go one place. Uh, he thinks this is the right place to go. But then he says, the Spirit doesn't want me to go there. He tries another place, another place. And eventually, um, they try one other place. And it goes to Macedonia. It says, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them because everything went his way. Inferring that Paul was, was, was trying doors. He was trying to follow God's leading, but he wasn't getting it 100%. He didn't even have 2020 vision all the time. We need to understand that. So when it comes to back to being a good neighbor, when it comes to being a Christ follower that has the Spirit engaged in our lives, uh, we need to stop, listen, and follow the Spirit. Some of us don't stop long enough to feel anything. We go through the scriptures and see that sometimes when God speaks, he speaks in a quiet, still voice. It's not big, wow, wow, loud. And uh, we have to slow down. We have to stop. 
We have to listen. Proverbs, we read, blessed the man, blessed the woman who listens to me, awake and ready for each morning, alert and responsive as I start my day's work. Alert and responsive to God as he's, he's, he's starting his work. We can look over in Colossians and in Ephesians where it talks about God preparing in advance things for us to do to be a part of, not as a burden, but to fulfill our purpose in who we are. And a part of that, again, is being a good neighbor. So we have to ask ourselves, are we alert and responsive? Do we start our days off that way? Shower time for me, often as I'm thinking through my day, I'm going, where am I going? What am I doing? Who, who do you want me? What, what do you want me to do? I'm trying to go, Lord, I'm trying to be alert and responsive to you. I want to slow it down just a little, not hit the ground running so quick that if you have a different plan for this day, that I, that I miss it. I want to be responsive to you. This is called walking by the Spirit. Paul says, so I walk by the Spirit. And when I walk by the Spirit, I won't gratify the desires of the flesh. I won't, I won't be self-centered, self-centered. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They're in conflict with each other, so that you are not to do whatever you, you don't do whatever you want. But if you're led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. The idea here, again, is that we walk by, there's this, there's, this, there's this battle that still can rage within us. He goes on and talks about all the acts of the flesh, acts of, uh, you know, all of that. But then he talks also about the fruits of the Spirit. When you and I are following his lead, there's a sense of love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. And again, against such, there is no law. And how I read those descriptions in verse 22, that's what I want. And I also know that I have to have those things to be a good neighbor. And then what's wonderful, when you and I are moving in this direction, this verse applies to us. The ways of, a right, living, of right living people glow with light. The longer they live, the brighter the light. The idea is that our lives shine, and we get to point to Christ. We get to be that fantastic neighbor. We get to be it. So when we think about, won't you be my neighbor, we have to, we've already talked about who is my neighbor, what does it mean to love my neighbor, and then how can I love my neighbor, and, and when do I love my neighbor? And it hinges, it hinges on our awareness to God's Spirit working in us. That's the governor. That's the yes-no to our responsiveness. And what's so fantastic is the Holy Spirit can be wholly yours. The Holy Spirit can be all yours. You can be full, led, stimulated by the Holy Spirit. So then when it comes to being a good neighbor, you can be the best neighbor that you can be. And it can be all rising and falling on the Spirit's work in your life. Let's pray. Grace Heavenly Father, we, we thank you.
We thank you for the Spirit. We thank you that you lead us and direct us. And Father, this morning, we would ask that if there's anyone here who has not said yes to you yet, in this moment, they would, they would say, God, I, I want you in my life. Uh, Father, I, I thank you for the gift of your son and the forgiveness of my sins so I can have a relationship with you. I want to follow you. I want to choose to have you in my life. And then they can begin their day, the rest of their day, the rest of their life, being the good neighbor that their neighbors need. And for those of us who have known you for a while, I pray that our sensitivity to you would be always growing, would be more alive, more real in our lives. We thank you that the Spirit can be wholly ours, the one who leads us. We ask all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.